2: It's Q&A time and I'm joined by the one and only Squawker Dave.
0: Hello, how are you? How's it going, Adam? It's really good, thanks, Dave.
2: Uh, How are you? What's going on?
0: I'm all right, you know, it's Saturday morning. The sun isn't shining as much as it was yesterday, but, you know, you can't have it all, can you?
2: Well, let's get down to it. Uh, I'm in Ireland and I've got loads of questions for you, Dave.
0: Excellent. Bloody brilliant.
2: I wish Lawrence was here today. Yeah, I wonder what's happened to him. He's probably off taking drugs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, Adam. Adam's not here today. Uh, so on the front three, we are doing a front two again, Dave. We yeah, have to we're... look up. It's happening here too much, really, isn't it? It's happening front too much, Dave. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we've asked your questions. There's been a lot of good questions out there, and obviously it's the international break. Dave, I don't, I have a real problem. With, I don't have a real problem with people, but I, I do find it difficult when people slag off the international break because. As much as nationalism kind of doesn't matter to a lot of people anymore or like they feel like the, the international game is almost too uh, pacified, I like it. I, I th- I'm really enjoying international football. Um, yeah, you see, I, I usually just take some time off, but I think because the Euros are
0: coming, it's time to get into international football. So yesterday I um, cracked on the France versus Netherlands game and was, was very impressed by France actually going forward. They look really good. Um, that midfield, midfield
2: structure, great yeah, balance. exactly. It's I mean, Payet and then uh, they put on, um, I mean, Matuidi was a pretty in, inspired selection and they're not really a name that most people are uh, putting out there at the moment.
0: Yeah, I think Blaise Matuidi is probably one of the most underrated central midfielders in world football because he's been doing it, you know, for this PSG team for probably the last three years. He's, he's level really high and he, what it gives to this Franz team is a lot of energy. Uh, so you've got uh, Lastiara sort of holding in midfield, dictating the play, breaking stuff up, being like a recycler. Paul Pogba is your maverick, um, sort of playing as a, as a right central midfielder. And then Matuidi is the real link man. It's really interesting, his position. He's, he sort of gets forward well, but he also gets back well. His, his work rate is fantastic. And he, he loves that left channel. He loves getting into the left channel and crossing. Obviously at PSG, he works with... You know, the likes of uh, Cavani, who's naturally a forward on the left-hand side who's drifting in. So he has to provide that width. But it's just really, this France team looks like it it could go very, very far in the tournament. The one thing that they've got to work out, work out is those defending set-pieces. They conceded both their goals from set-pieces, both balls from Memphis to pie a corner um, and uh, a free kick. The corner especially, they weren't awake, it was sort of like a a training ground corner which was a pass to the edge of the area and was just side footed in. So if France wanna sort of get to the final and win this tournament, they've just got to switch a bit more switch on a bit more when in defending set piece and get organised a lot faster. So maybe maybe they do lack a leader at centre back.
2: Yeah, who are the two? Who are the two centre backs the starting so, centre backs? Yes. Varane and you'd imagine I think I it, it Sacco if he's not injured. Surely
0: I think it was who was last night. Um, I think that's their best pairing of centre backs, but maybe that it does lack a little bit of leadership in there. Yeah,
1: um,
0: but you do have players like Gele, uh, Patrick Zever, goal, so- Obviously. <laughs> Exactly, they've got a they've, they've got a very very good side, and some of the the, play, the sort of interplay of their forwards was brilliant last night. Griezmann was drifting in ahead of Giroud, um, you know, coming inside, coming into a sort of striker position, and then Dimitri Payet, you know, his first cap for France for a while, and he just looked he looked awesome. He looked like he can you know stroll to the Euros and, and completely turn it on. And then what you can take uh, one of the attackers on and bring on uh, Anthony Martial, so they've got depth there. You'd only argue that uh, if Giroud goes down, have they got a focal point of the attack? I imagine. Griezmann, if needed, could play centrally. He's done before, but so in the transition, um, you know, from attack to defence, where they're trying to regain their shape, it was quite interesting to see. uh, Griezmann was sort of stationed next to Giroud and wasn't really tracking back. And Paul Pogba would pull out to the right hand side, sort of cover at right midfield. Then Diara would shuttle over to right central midfield. Matuidi left central midfield and then Piotr in making the four. And I feel that that's a really solid defensive structure at the moment. You now, Arsene Wenger says the best system to play um, without the ball is a 4-4-2 because you cover the most space. And yeah. I completely agree with that. I think it's, it probably is the best shape in terms of gives you that ability on the counter-attack as well as having the two banks of four and being very, very difficult to break down.
2: Mm, yeah. And, and obviously in the 14th minute, Dave, there was a lovely tribute to Cruyff. And there have been a lot of tributes all over uh, Europe to Cruyff this, this weekend with, you know, the friendly between Feyenoord and Sparta, where they start for the minute of applause. And I mean, it, it's actually nice to see people sort of stopping mid-game, isn't it? There's something sort of, I mean, there's something really fitting for the fact that it's really just Johan Cruyff they're doing this for, because the, the influence he's had on the modern game and, you know, so much influence, basically, of not only Holland, Barcelona, uh, a number of managers, but also sort of the way that he influenced the culture of people like Barcelona as well.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, it was a a brilliant sort of, you know, stopping on the 14th minute round of applause. Lovely to see. But it's quite interesting that France had just scored their second goal. So they'd actually scored their goal and they were trotting back to the centre circle. And then obviously the applause and the players stopped and all that. But, you know, what Cruyff has done for for football is just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. You know, the the way that he's changed the game, how many managers out there right now that are, you know, sort of from the Johan uh, Cruyff school of thought, it's ridiculous, you know, look at all the top ones, they will probably be part of the, the Cruyff ways and methods, you know, Guardiola, um, any of the managers that have played in that Barcelona dream team, that Barcelona dream team as well, what a side that was, it's just, with Johan Cruyff, I think, yeah, obviously his, uh, what he did on the, on the game when he was playing was unbelievable and then I think we're going to even see more of a sort of a push to his ideas and that thing sort of after, you know, say like five, ten years, you know, people were maybe going back to playing that uh 343 three, or total football just gonna, the total football thing yeah obviously it's the best in my opinion it's the best way to play football having every single player be able to play every single position it's that ultimate fluidity and that ultimate ability to change a system in a game to affect it and that's what Cruyffs done and obviously the passing football great quotes the quotes are going to be coming out for the you know the rest of time from um Cruyff but he, what he did as well footballing wise you know what imagine if we'd seen Johan on Cruyff i don't know what player he would have been like but obviously he would have been a very individual player they're playing on the wing, scoring a lot of goals, being the focal point of the Ajax team that went on to win, uh, was it three uh, European Cups in a row? You know yeah. what a, But also a, then obviously gui-
2: going to Barcelona and guiding them to mm. double the amount of league titles that they had, win them their first European Cup and essentially take them to be on par with the likes of the Real Madrid's in that country um, and also the other top top European sides because before that obviously they're a beautiful team um, in, in terms of kit and you know the, the culture of Catalunya but it wasn't the Barcelona maybe that we know now and I think f- especially for our generation I mean we don't really remember that because you know we don't really know anything else at this point.
0: Yeah I think that's a massive thing isn't it that we've we've sort of seen the beauty of um, his pupils in a way um, and maybe missed his great team. I'd love to go back and watch that European Cup final. I might even do that
2: I mean, if you've got the time, Dave, I mean, we don't all have the time, but um, if you've got the time, that'd be great. <laughs> Go back, check yeah. it out. But no, it could be brilliant. Absolutely he, brilliant. He, had, he does have some really good, he says, choose the best player for every position and you'll end up not with a strong 11, but with 11 strong ones. Uh, I think that's
0: it. It's all about the ethic, isn't it? It's, it's more than, uh, Cruyff is more, more than football, really. It's like a philosophy,
2: yeah, it's okay. more than like
0: Van Al bangs on his philosophy. He ain't got a real philosophy. Johan Cruyff has a philosophy that's politically
2: charged and you know makes sense in a way. I mean, it is hard sort of work. That it's hard to say who does have a philosophy and who doesn't because when you're comparing sort of um, the, the Cruyff ideas, which are you know total fo- base based on total football, but not in the same way that he picked it up from his manager of the international side. It is um, it, it is easy to sort of say well there's only one way of playing, and I do think that was part of it towards the end of the time that he uh, was sort of influencing Barcelona was that for a while, Barcelona, especially in the press and in, other, in some other countries where they thought Barcelona was the only way to play football, it, it, it did sort of lead a fight against people who were playing any other kind of football but this. And anyone who didn't aspire to that um, was sort of told, well, you're not playing it the right way. And I always found that quite hard, really. To that was the one, the, the harder sides that I took was, you know, the Church of Cruyff was vehement for him. I mm. didn't really see anything outside of that. Um, they were like fun, fund fundamentalists, weren't they? Fundamentalists. They, they were football fundamentalists. Yeah, exactly. And, and I always found that quite hard because actually, you know, there are other ways of playing football, which you, I think you learn other things. And Cruyff teaches you some really beautiful life lessons and, you know, about playing a team and uh, systems and the flow of football and all those kind of things. But then there are also other sides to it, which I, I imagine if you are hearing it outside of a country or maybe in a country where the football is developing or all those kind of things you maybe you don't feel it in the same way or maybe you feel like it it seems a little bit removed from what you know um and i do feel a bit sorry for people who play maybe uh what what other people term as basic football or you know a football which seems a bit more aggressive or um maybe even violent if you like because it, it is a way of playing football it's not there's not just one way
0: I think that's the great thing about it, isn't it? That's why it's, it's so good. There's so many different ways to play it. You know, fair enough that Barcelona have had such such success over the last few years. But there's other ways to, you know, like you're saying, like play like Diego Sibioni. It's, it's still, you're still going to win and it's still good football to watch. Or even, you know, someone like Mourinho, who gets criticised for his negative tactics, he plays on the counter-attack. I- yeah. I love watching counter-attacking football. I think that's like my favourite type, like type of football. Sort of also,
2: a- we got to, what we've also got to bear in mind is the influence of someone like Cruyff on Mourinho from his time yeah. at Barcelona. And the way that Mourinho you know, essentially turned on that church in a very personal way, but at the same time was very influenced by a lot of those ideas. And the personal motivation, all those kind of things that uh, Mourinho goes through is, is, is still part of that church of Cruyff.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's another big thing as well, isn't it? It's not just the football; it's, it's the whole thing, the collective. I think that might be something that Mourinho definitely took on is the collective and the, you know, the bit like the quote that you just came up with before, that sort of goes with Mourinho in a way. The one, that, an interesting one that probably goes away against Mourinho is a you know, brilliant Cruyff quote: uh, "Quality without results is pointless; results without quality is boring." I think Mourinho completely goes against number <laughs> that, that one. Yeah. Sort of deals the other way. Yeah. It's all about results. All about winning.
2: What I do love is, and this is going to become very um, prevalent and probably is actually prevalent right now. Um, It says, why couldn't you beat a richer club? I've never seen a bag of money score a goal. (laughs) Uh, But Obviously, with with what Leicester are doing right now, they're fascinating and that that (laughs) sort of leads us on, Dave, to why couldn't you beat, um, say, uh, Germany if you were England? Yeah, well, I
0: I think that that's the best way to beat the Germany. I think that's the thing, isn't it? it's, it, you have to play to your strengths, and I feel that this England side, their strengths would be playing on the break, the pace, and the ability to uh, break quickly. With all the players, you know, look at Tottenham; they can't attack very well. Leicester can't attack very well. Then, obviously, uh, there's, that's a, quite a big component of this England side that I would probably put out there would be made up of players from Tottenham and players from Leicester City. Uh, in a way, if if I if I could do, I'd stick Danny Drinkwater in there, but obviously. Then you've got to get, you know, then someone like Jordan Henderson that potentially has the experience at international level will be thrown out there. Uh, so it's just it's an interesting point in a way. But I feel this, this game against Germany is going to be pretty big. It's going to be interesting to see how England are going to be able to adapt to the latter stages of the Euros um, on how they play against Germany because Germany will dominate the ball. Obviously, Pep Guardiola um, from Johan Cruyff, you know, massive influence in Germany now. So, but you know, Bayern Munich do play. Um, pretty much like Croyian football, so it's interesting to see that on the national side. We saw at the World Cup that they no longer had the, no longer needed to just rely on the counter attack. You know, we saw that brilliant team the World Cup before, or, uh, that was excellent at uh, breaking very quickly. Now they can dominate the ball, and now they're very happy with the ball. You know, Tony Cruz, Bastian Feinsteiger, Julian Weigel, all these players are so comfortable on the ball as well. With with Borussia Dortmund, you know, another manager Thomas Tufel, who's probably the Croyian. Um, you know, some I mean, of the players have been brought take, out there, you know, right? Yeah, I
2: was going to say he's taken some things at least from that idea. Um, I'd imagine that uh, Cru- Cruyff would have some things to say about what Tufel's currently, uh, currently doing, but uh, I think he, he obviously he's taken it from that vein. Um, but they're not infallible though, are they, Dave? I mean, uh, you know, Bundesliga still has its downfalls, and as do the German international team. I mean, they did win the World Cup by a very late goal uh, yeah. from Mario Goetze who was brought on as a substitute um, and you know I had read an interview, and maybe maybe it, was, maybe it was Goetze not long ago, I can't remember, but basically they said, you know, had they not scored that goal the perception of that team could be very different that they are the the, the nearly men and not the ones who get it done um, mm-hmm. because you know they did the same at the Euros not long before that but the perception of them now is they're a pretty formidable side, and that, you know, relatively true I mean you look at that starting 11, it's incredible but at the same time it's not, you know, it's, not an un, uh, it's not an unbeatable team for England. There are areas that England are going to be able to attack, and I think it's a really good exercise for this side, isn't it?
0: hundred percent, yeah. You look at the last friendly they played. They played France, and they lost 2-0. Olivier Giroud and uh, Gignac scored the goals for France yeah. that day. Um, and I think there is you know, Matt Hummels. Sometimes he, you know, a really, really weird player. Sometimes I've seen him be the best centre-back in the world by a country mile. Other times I've seen him be very shaky. He's, he's, he's a great balls.
2: attacking centre back, isn't he? But I think there are times where, when people put him under pressure, then it, I don't mean when he has the ball, but I mean when the other the other team has the ball, then then that's it, where his problem is.
0: Yeah, well, it's this the counter attack. It's the hundred percent the, yeah. the counter attack that he sometimes he struggles to defend. I think that if you know when Dortmund played Bayern Munich uh, recently in in the Bundesliga, he was phenomenal at centre back. Mm-hmm. But he had a job, and they and Dortmund was sitting deeper with that with their back line, where he was struggling last season was when uh, you know. Klopp loves his fullbacks high with the midfielders coming inside, so it was getting exposed and getting pulled wide. And he's not mm. very good at defending wide spaces, um, you know himself. It's, obviously, it's a very difficult thing to do as a centre back because you need to have everything right. He already has most of the attributes to be the, one of the best centre backs, you know, ball playing, the ability to read the game, and so forth. But the pace isn't there for him. Mm. So it, that you know, the ability for him to come out and shut someone down um, on the flanks, you know, moving into that full pa- fullback position, isn't quite there. And that'd be my only criticism at Hummels because he's a wonderful player. You know, he is the best passing centre-back in world football. He has definitely got that. But if we, can, you know, if we can get him into that channel, we can get Vardy in behind into that channel, pull him wide and then expose the space that it, that's vacated in the middle. You know, that's a different opportunity for England to look to break against Germany because they'll be pushing their full-backs um, on. You know, Hector will be pushing on. Rudiger will be pushing on. So it's, it's going to be a really interesting tactical battle. But it's, it, like you said, it's not, um, it's not given at all.
2: Hector is today rumoured to be on his way to Liverpool come the <laughs> end of the season. Um, Dave, I've got a question for you here. Um, Sir said, maybe Shrishant says, uh, drink water or Henderson for Euro? But I'm going to pose that question for uh, the way that England want to play in these next few friendlies. Would you go for Hendo or drink water? Or would you actually combine the two? Um, I definitely, I
0: don't think I'd combine the two. I think
2: they're a bit too similar in, in what they do. Um, do, you not think, do you not think Henderson has that sort of, he's a, he's a slightly more adaptable player and therefore you could put drink water in the role that he's used to playing and maybe give Henderson a slightly more advanced role? Yeah, well, that, I think that's the thing
0: with, uh, I'd quite like England's out balance and I'd probably play three central midfielders, with one of them playing out wide yeah. um, as well as a winger. So, you know, Henderson could do that. Uh, what i just feel with henderson is that he's not he's not at the right age like this is probably the tournament 2 years too early for him in a way where he needs to to play like for example for him to be the ball player in this side i feel like he needs a little bit more a little bit more like experience in that position now, i feel like liverpool he needs to lock down one of the roles obviously he's been playing as the box to box he's been playing as the dictator he's been playing um, outright if I'm correct a little bit I mean a few he's, times.
2: He, he's right of midfield and therefore sort of uh, you know Klopp loves it when players cut in from the flank essentially and sort of become an inside player from the outside so he definitely influences that right flank with Ibe uh, and Klein overlapping if you like or Firmino whoever's playing you know or even Daniel Sturridge in the game against Manchester United mm. so it, he's definitely influential over there but I just wonder is he therefore going to invade the space of someone like Sterling who maybe wouldn't uh, want Henderson so close. Yeah,
0: I think that's, that's a big thing as well. I think Sterling's got to be our go-to man in terms of breaking teams down and, and having the ability on the ball would you to put him un- at unlock the, would a defence. Would you put him
2: at the peak of a three? Uh, sorry, the peak of a diamond. I mean, because it worked so well at Liverpool when it was... I mean, that's the only problem, isn't it? That Liverpool don't have a Luis Suarez-esque figure. But if you went for Sterling, Sturridge and, say, Kane, you've got Sterling not really a number 10, but a sort of... Um at, you know, the, the, just behind the strike is essentially playing the ball through or running onto his own ball.
0: Yep. I definitely think that's a, a shape option. I think that's what England need to be, is adaptable. You know, with with my system, you know, playing the four and midfield, I would like to see Deli Alley, Sterling on the on the flanks, and then Eric Dyer, and then either Drinkwater or Henderson as the other central midfielder, giving the energy. But what that, that see that could transition to a diamond very very quickly. Yeah. What I don't think that England would be able to do is transition from a four to a diamond with such ease and have that ability to know who's picking who up in the defensive phase and whether they are dropping back to a four like you they did in the Champions League last season from the diamond so a diamond in attack and then a flat four in defense that is the issue with England I don't tactically I don't think they're quite there yet to be able to transition from these different shapes with ease I feel it could be done but it might not you know then I feel that England might concede a goal because you know a shuttler hasn't pulled out and someone hasn't covered the space in the middle and so forth so I think it's definitely an option a really really good option because if you I think that's the big thing with England they need to be adaptable so if they can see that um, you know, they're playing Germany, right? And that they've been trying to break down the flanks and there's no space there, but there's real space in central midfield because say um, Tony Cruz is getting pulled out to a sort of more left central midfield position and the space is o- opening up in the middle, you know, one-on-one with a sort of a defensive midfielder, they switch to the diamond and get storage but to run it. Yeah. Uh,
2: but and that's, break that way. Exactly. But then that's where this very young uh, and what most people are calling the inexperienced England team comes up against Germany. We've got Butland, Klein, Cahill, Smalling, Rose, For me, that's actually a pretty good uh, back line. Yeah, it's a decent back. Probably Cahill's the only one that I'd change out there. But, um, you know, even then, you're you're really being picky with a centre-back, you you know, who's still a very good player. Um, Ali, Dyer, Henderson in midfield. For me, that's a very strong midfield. And then up front, you've kind of got players who, I think, uh, unless they play for your club, you probably don't like them. Uh, Lalana, Kane and Welbeck. The only one of those is probably going to be Kane, who's the popular choice. Welbeck and Lalana like you say, Dave, that works as a front three or maybe even a front two with Lallana just behind. So it's quite an adaptable. And I'd imagine what is looking to be an adaptable system for England.
0: Yeah, that definitely does look very adaptable. And, you know, you look at Danny Welbeck's international goal scoring since Roy Hodgson took over, I think he scored the most goals. So we can't question him too much because he, he's no, sort but, of sh- but, but showed def- up on I that stage.
2: I definitely would say that there are, uh, there are people who question, you know, the, uh, A, the fitness of Welbeck. And yep. be whether there's someone else who should just be starting ahead of him, say a Vardy yeah, who's yeah, starting. Yeah. Exactly, Vardy. And that sort of leads into another question that I've got for you here, Dave. Uh, let me just pull it up because I've got to find it because <laughs> I can't uh, because we have so many questions. Uh, it's the one including um, messy seconds. Here we go. Uh, do you agree with messy seconds that Vardy shouldn't be at the Euros due to racist comments?
0: It's a yeah, it's a very very difficult question um, without being there and you know about fully being there and understanding exactly what was said. Obviously, racism in football is shocking and, and should never be in there. You know, potentially so the, if,
2: the, the direct quotes are definitely sort of um, yeah, they're bad. They're very very bad. It's not
0: not what yeah. you want to see. So it's a, it's a solid point to be fair. And if we want to stamp out racism, and we want to fully put a you know put that on a. A pedestal and really go for it yeah yeah
2: definitely i think i, uh, I, do, I do think it's a, it's an important point considering that kick it out and making a massive push for the euros yes yeah. this, this summer considering how prevalent racism still is in some european countries and even if the problem is even if it's not prevalent dave if it's low-key and people are still making it still know, needs to go it's yeah. still it still has to be challenged and that would be the issue is if you don't challenge it on the pitch then where are you going to challenge it because yeah you've got, you've got that, control of the pitch
0: I think that's a big thing, it need, but it needs to, it's like the whole community needs to take a stand, right? You know, in any of these issues, for example, the homophobic remarks that were made by Sari
2: absolutely uh, in Italy to yeah. Mancini, all these things, but then, they, they, and, and, they all need to be sorted, out, you know, it needs to be a combined push in a way. And that's the problem, isn't it, David, is that essentially football is still managed by a load of rich white men. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm not claiming that we're making any difference to that because, you know, obviously in our jobs, we benefit from that every day. Um, but the... The, the what, when people don't acknowledge that and instead of maybe acknowledging Mancini's comments post-game where he speaks about not wanting those people in the uh, sport the Italian press then attacked Mancini because he'd apparently made homophobic comments towards a journalist himself um, or at least used a homophobic term to attack mm. a journalist that one time um, so it, it does it, it almost feels like watching a kind of um, House of Cards or like House of Lies where everyone's sort of attacking each other and stabbing each other in the back rather than actually dealing with the issue. Um, But God forbid that would happen in world football. Um, (laughs) Obviously, Dave, uh, Portugal lost 1-0 to Bulgaria. Uh, Yet again, another sign of uh, how basically they're not not at their very finest right now, Portugal. And then Conte uh, has has got a lot of options. A lot of people are looking at a very young uh, side at the moment for this Italian team. I mean, I was looking at, uh, let me find this side for you. Uh, I was looking at a really good Marcotti 11 earlier, uh, you know, including Verratti in the midfield and then up front. I mean, who would you let lead the Italian line, Dave?
0: It's a difficult one. No?
2: Pella. Um, Pella's
0: a funny player. He plays well at the start of the season and play well, plays well at the end of the season. Um, and he's just going on a bit of run run of form again. So if you can get Pella firing. He he's a real player that could score goals at the Euros. 100%. Yeah, because I mean, uh,
2: yeah, Dave, look here. Listen to this Italian side. So it's Buffon in goal, obviously the captain. Chiellini and Bonucci in central defence. Uh, Massina and uh, Ferenzi, who have had both had pretty decent seasons, uh, even if well, you know, one of them isn't winning the league. Um, De Rossi sitting at the centre of midfield, possibly uh, one of the what most people consider a weak point, Dave. Um, even you know even, maybe even even if that's trying to pick uh Verratti and Marchisio just ahead of him, who are obviously great shuttlers uh and much more than that, but you'd imagine that around de rossi they they will be used to transport the ball uh insignia Pella and then uh Bonaventura. Uh, just just around that Dave that's a strong side, isn't it yeah,
0: it's a solid team, you know insignia is the one that's going to be the sort of creative spark in that side ahead um, of
2: ahead of Verratti and and sort of Marchisio? just by, because I'd imagine that Marchisio and de Rossi sort of sit, and then is sort of just ahead of that right um
0: yeah, you'd say so they could rotate that
2: you know yeah. either and though that's
0: what the brilliance of that midfield is anyone they can all play the, every single role they can all be the six, eight, or the ten. What do you think you of know, Mar-
2: de, what do you think of de rossi because obviously i don't I don't quite know how to term him at this point. Some people are going to question whether he's a footballer that's beyond it. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, you know, with, with where he's at in his career and that sort of thing, they obviously don't have Pirlo in there anymore. Do you think they're looking for someone to sit in and bring some sort of parity to the midfield? Yeah, I think they've got that experience of De Rossi, but
0: De Rossi hasn't been that good over the last sort of exactly. two, three years. He's been injured in and out of this uh, Roma side. His they, last big peak was, well, the last Euros, really. You'd say so, yeah. I potentially would drop him and have Marquisio sitting with Verratti ahead of him and maybe... Six someone or maybe even put Jorginho um, sitting holding, you know, done a would great job Tutti for that this Dave? season. Would you put Totti in there? i ah, yeah, throw him in there, yeah, definitely up front. Yeah. Forty
2: years old, gonna win the Euros. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be fantastic. Um, and obviously uh that, that back line's pretty solid, Dave. Two defenders that you pretty much lord every week, Killian and Benucci. <laughs> yeah. At the of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And Bozaglia would be around there somewhere. Obviously that brings up the, the question of Conte. Um, and there was the Chelsea fans channel video the other day, uh, basically talking about uh, what Conte will bring to this Chelsea team uh let me try and find a question for you who which was posed by really I'm not good at this hosting thing am I, they um <laughs> it was oh, wait a minute uh although there was one tweet that said that Lawrence uh, and Dave are the duet of dreams by the way sign them up to Britain's Got Talent um Let me find the Chelsea one. Here we go. Uh, This one comes from Ismo, Ismo Williams, who says, why do so many people think that Chelsea can't make top four next season? And that sort of brings up the Conte question here, doesn't it, Dave?
1: Mm, Definitely. Uh, I think
2: they they, they
0: will do in a way because what Conte will just turn, you know, instantly instill into the side is that winning mentality. We talk about the winning mentality like it's a, I don't know, like it's a spell or or a trick yeah. But Conte is someone that brought that to Juventus and turned that Juventus team into the warhorse that it is today. Mm-hmm. It will take time whether, you know, the big question is the three or the four um, at the back. And whether he does go for the three, it'd be quite interesting to see another tactical evolution of the Premier League because Guardiola is definitely going to come in and play the three because um, he likes to get the ball out the back, play it like that. Similarly, Conte, likes to play from the back. But it's just... Again, there's going to have to be a lot of signings and more signings that potentially wouldn't have fit the last regime in a way. Mm. you know. And if the director of football continues to buy players that the manager doesn't want, there's going to be a bit of a mess there with Conte because he needs very specific players. You know, He needs wing-backs that can attack as well as defend. He needs um, three centre-backs, but they all need to be comfortable on the ball. He needs a pretty strong central midfield and he needs strikers that are going to score goals. You look at the Chelsea team right now. Dio cost would be absolutely perfect for Conte, you know, pressing from the front, but then... He probably needs another two strikers, you'd say. So one, you know, a, a first-choice partner. Yeah, then you've got so, to go again. And where does, where does Hazard fit into this system? Because in a three five two, 2 potentially you could play Eden Hazard as one of the strikers. I think that would work really well. But is Eden Hazard going to want that? We've seen a stinky attitude Hazard, before. Yeah,
2: exactly. And not only, I mean, obviously you can change a player's attitude, but also you can't make Eden Hazard run forever. And I think that was part of the problem was that no manager managed to find a way to make Eden Hazard keep working. And like we say, Conte's intensity Um, and you know that that is that's not what the uh, quality that Azar possesses really is it? N- no, I think if you could you know
0: if he could fit a system where he n- has the issue, isn't it? Because if you play him at the tit as, as the two stri- one of the two strikers, he has to do a bit of work
2: and. But, so may- he- but maybe that's the point, though, isn't it, Dave? Is that if he sees the benefit for himself, then he yeah, may work. Um, and if he sees himself as a striker. Maybe maybe that's the benefit. You know, he's he's leading aside. Uh, speaking of a front two leading into a front three, Thomas Dyer says uh, with Barcelona having the best front three in the world, great podcast. Who has the second best front three? Now, Dave, that instantly counts out the likes of Leicester City. You essentially play a front four. At um, yeah. times, looking like a front three because I mean, sometimes their left wingers aren't really left wingers; they're more like central midfielders, aren't they? So you could, yeah, you, you could say- go Okazaki, Mares, and uh, Vardy <laughs> are the second most uh, influential.
0: I'd say so, yeah. That's or or you've got um, Kane. Ericsson and Eric, da- Eric, there, da- Eric Dyer, But then you still, yeah, exactly. You've got Lamella in there. So. But then you've got yes. BBC. Obviously, we've got to can't forget them. But they're not as good as Jamie Vardy, Ozaki, and Mares. Let's be honest He's with ourselves. Isn't a party,
2: isn't he, Dave? What about the front three for uh, Atletico Madrid?
0: Uh, we looking at maybe Griezmann going through the middle and then they've been, they've been again they've been playing a, a, you know, you know, say a front exactly. four the two strikers and two wingers exactly
2: so, so you can't count that as a front three no. do you go for you can't, I mean you can't say Liverpool play a front three and you can't even say that's anywhere near the quality to make it uh, one of the best in the world
1: statistically
2: mm. Dave are there any sort of fantastic front threes out there in Europe right now I mean could you say PSG
0: yeah, PSG you could potentially say yeah. well, Di Maria Lucas Mora, and Zlatan Yeah, um, they've all been Pretty good this season, but then again, you know, Cavani's coming in there as well, so there's a bit of interchange. I think the thing with the Barca team as well is that there's no like squad rotation there if they're fit, you know what I mean? They are the, the front three in a way, and you're not displacing them. But you, know, you look at teams like PSG, and t- players will come in and out, you know, say Zlatan's every week, um, Di Maria will be every week, but then it's going to be Lucas Moore or Cavani to make up that third slot.
2: So, in terms of potency, you get so much more with those guys, don't you? Yeah, do. um, So much more. Uh, Dave, why do so many... This one comes from David. Why do so many players get injured during the international break? Uh,
0: maybe it's a different, different style of training.
2: Yeah. You, if you, look sh- if you change, I mean, you know, Maybe, I, I mean, I don't know. Off the top of my head, I would say it would be the change in uh, training styles, right? I mean, if you try and change up your training regime... And then maybe something you go running or maybe something you go to football twice or three times a week. If you did that four times a week or you train differently or you went from playing five a side to 11 a side or something like that, you may sustain a very low level injury. And also we've got to kind of remember that, you know, if you're training on that level, you're almost, uh, I don't know, a Ford Focus. These guys are like Lamborghinis. So they're (laughs) sort of, you know, they're finely tuned. And if one little thing goes wrong, I think that, you know, players feel it. They're sort of trained to feel their bodies, aren't they, Dave? Yeah,
0: I think that's a big thing there. You know, oh, I don't think I'm a Ford Focus. I'm probably like a a bike, a shitty yeah, bike, and they're like, Lamborghinis. But like yeah, I think a, that's like a big a thing.
2: Davidson Day. Like <laughs> oh, a, yeah, you're
0: like untamed power, <laughs> <laughs> raw aggression, raw but no, aggression. It, yeah. It's like it's like when you start. I just started going to go into the gym last week, um, and it's like that. Like I, I'm aching still. I did it on Monday. Which yeah. We're now on Saturday. But I imagine like like you said, if you sort of change something up, you'll feel something different, and then something might go, or the intensity might be, you know, more in a way. You might be
2: training at a higher velocity you know trying to impress so yeah that's probably it's probably a combination of that really isn't it Well, sometimes even if you slow down i mean some players may find and also you may find also that training grounds uh, are gonna gonna have a real difference there. i mean you know at the training grounds there's a lot of 3g whereas a lot of football clubs at the moment have um have gone for the the pitch you know actual grass essentially mm. um and the change between those two can very often cause injuries as well um but then again, that's all speculation and what the hell do we know? Um, <laughs> uh, Dave, a uh, question for you is a Draxler or Barkley? That one comes from Key Fashion or Full oh, Stop. Is that that is a,
0: a pretty tough question.
2: Both players have been very good um, in bits
0: this season. J. Drax or R. Bark? Mm, I think I might go with J. Drax. Having seen, having seen Draxler live... He does look very special when you see him in a live environment, the way that he moves around and and so forth. I think barkley has
2: got that, but not at the same level. Okay. Philadrax has got a little bit more talent. Dave, uh, moving a little bit further back in midfield, and we're going back to the Italian team, is Verratti the new Pirlo? You were saying that those can switch between the... Were you saying 6, 8 and 10? Yes. Um, So what goes on with uh, Verratti there? Can he move into the Pirlo role? Do Italy even want a Pirlo role anymore with that shape of midfield? I think
0: that we've already find, found the next pillow in Mourkisio. we to taken that role at Juve and, and could e- easily do it for the Italian side. I'd quite, I quite like Verratti's, um I love how he can slip a tackle or you know, take the ball in pressure and then sort of use his agility to get out of that situation. And that's why I'd like him further up the pitch. Feel if you've got like mm-hmm. a player like Marquisio who can distribute and can dictate, and uh, he's at an age where he's dictating now. You know, 28 years old. That's a good level of understanding of the game and ability to you know pick the right pass and so forth. Verratti, yes, he does pick the right pass, um, but I just feel getting him a little bit further forward, getting him linking with the forwards could be you know could take him to the next level. I don't I don't see him as a six. I see him more of a, as a ten if I were to to like shoehorn him into a role later on in his career just because he has that ability to. To spin and, and to attack, and uh, you know he's got great work as well. He can press. I feel he's got a lot. Uh, putting him a little bit further up the pitch, I'd say Marquisio is the next Pirlo, and is currently playing that role exceptionally well. And then N'Graati the may move into that role late, later on, but he's still a young lad. I think that's something that we forget that he's
2: what is he 23 years old or something like that? He's, mm. he's it's ridiculous. Yeah, that is a very good point, actually, um, Dave. Do you think Juventus would have knocked out? if, and I need this to be a short answer, if Marquiseo, yeah. Chiellini and Dabala were available? Yes, 100%. Interesting. Yeah, you do think that, because obviously the point that you made, Dave, was uh, if they'd had more options than Manzukic off the bench, or they'd had other formational options, they wouldn't have played the same way and therefore would have gone on to tactically dominate the game. Not the most intelligence question, uh, clearly not because you've said it's not the most intelligence question, um, <laughs> but can Southampton make it into the top four this season? no a little, so. little too far off too many good teams around them yes uh, Dave who will win uh, Germany or England
0: England and then the media are going to jump on it and everyone's going to think we're going to win the World Cup we're playing at the Euro
2: yeah I'm not saying it's going to happen but I, I was <laughs> to attack you now um, will, will Bale ever win the Ballon d'Or no interesting do you not do you not think Dave, would you like him at Manchester United? Oh, I'd love him at Manchester United. Dave, He's a great I think player. he'd win the Ballon d'Or if he was at Manchester United. Do you think, but then yeah.
0: I think that my, my argument would be on the back of, you've got Neymar that I feel is ahead a of Bale now. And then you've got Suarez, yeah. who is probably also ahead of Bale. So I'd say Suarez and Neymar are more likely to win it than Bale. Um, and they're going to be around probably as long as Bale's there.
2: Speaking of which, Dave, obviously Suarez played Neymar last night and it ended two-all that means neither player gets a burger. But, uh, you know, Brazil were 2-0 up at one point in this game. And uh, obviously Uruguay came back to make it 2-2 with uh, Suarez coming back for the first time in two years or nine games, as they call it, and scoring a goal. It It is, it's a great narrative for him, isn't it? But I think, you know, a lot of people are billing him as a massive hero, which obviously to overcome the problems that he has overcome, which he created for himself, does make yeah. him... Uh, you know, does does mean that he's he's somewhat of a redeemed figure, isn't he? Yeah, you, you, if
0: you can, if Suarez can ever redeem himself, he's slowly doing it. But yeah, you know, the crazy bite. You know, imagine if that's crazy. Two years he's missed for Uruguay because of that stupid decision. Hopefully, hopefully he has matured and hopefully he won't see any of that stuff again. Because he's a he's a wonderful player, but then you do worry that he does still have that in him.
1: You know, well, that, that's definitely around, not gone. Hanging
2: around with the calmness of Messi and Neymar or the craziness of Neymar, if you like, it does seem to have, you know, sort of made him into a different player. But then what I worry is, is, you know, it's almost like when you release him from the institution that is Barcelona, <laughs> what do you do? You, know, <laughs> you take him out from the wild, and he goes absolutely crazy. Go, yeah, sort of. But uh, it's like a tame Adam almost. Quite funny. It's it's a tame Adam almost. You know, yes, where it's yes. like when you take Adam away from the Football Republic, he sort of goes feral almost and just starts yeah. consuming alcohol. Um, <laughs> uh, Dave, without Fergie, is there a vacuum of identity? This one comes from JJ James. Uh, is there a vacuum of identity in the league? Um, and we're now seeing it be rebuilt. I, you see, I, don't really, I don't really agree with the premise of the question. I think there's still personality in the league. But I think the problem uh, is that... Uh, so put it this way. Uh, in the past, what you, what you build up is a load of structures. So you can do this very easily with technology and you can apply the same to the way that media construct narrative, right? So when the TV was around, everyone thought, right, watch TV. And that, that's how we get our information. So when the internet came around... We applied the same rules that we had from TV onto the new screen that we saw and knew, because as humans, that's what we do, right? And so when Fergie leaves the league and new models of identity and manager come in, we apply those same rules. But at the same time, we're learning new rules from these new managers um, I don't know if any of that made sense but it, but it, if, if you don't read up on certain media theory then you'll see that actually the, the league is still jam-packed full of uh, personality just it's that we need to find that personality and that's where we come in as the front three. Would, would you say that the,
0: the um, maybe to, to simplify in a way that Ferguson was so much of a personality and we've got younger managers in the league, right? You know, you've got the likes of Pochettino who, you know, don't have the experience of Alex Ferguson and don't have that personality. And maybe they, they've only been around the league for a few years so we don't know their personality to to such but, an extent, but, obviously. But also, you know, Dave,
2: I mean, sorry to cut you off, but also at the same time, their personality is expressed in different ways.
0: Yeah, that, that's, that's sort of what I was coming on to, that we don't, because he sort of, you know, Hid behind the translator at the start at Southampton because he didn't want to get um, mistranslated, which I think was was a clever thing to do. Until he's got his English down to a T. Why not do that? Until, you so- fo-
2: until your team plays good football, you hide behind yeah. the translator. Why did you lose three 0 today? What? I don't understand the. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> Why are you closing the door? Oh, stop closing the... Oh, damn it! There's two of them behind there. I can't open it. <laughs> he's got the translator. Like, help me with the door. <laughs> get the chair
0: well that sums it perfectly doesn't it
2: yeah I mean it does but then uh, you know uh, there's also the likes of Klopp in the league who's a massive personality yeah exactly um, and you know obviously with the rumours of Mourinho coming back and Pep being his own personality but then that also sort of underdoes the maybe the more uh, mellow personalities Dave of the likes of um, <laughs> Alan Pardew, yeah, a much, much more mellow personality, <laughs> yeah, mellow the, guy. The Come likes on. of the likes of Bournemouth in there as well, Dave. And there's mm-hmm. another question. Uh, God, it's so hard to scroll through a timeline and talk at the same time. Uh, serial tweet says, uh, "Can we please give credit to Bournemouth? They have surpassed their expectations by far." Dave, it's the truth.
0: Yeah, it it's the truth. Can't argue with that at all. Yeah, Ruth. I feel, I feel their signings have been very, very smart. Uh, replacing. Uh, Callan Wilson was a big one in January, they did that. Uh, Max Gradle coming back, you know, he's a fantastic signing. And again, he's, he's showing his quality. Bay has got a great pace. I feel that they've just got, it seems to be their, they've spent, they did spend £30 million in January, but that was a very good, a very well spent £30 million in a way. So, you know, credits on defensively, they look strong and they haven't changed much there. That's still the same defence that played in the Championship, but that's quite a good thing because you're keeping that unit together. You know, Charlie Daniels has been, did he get his call up to England in the latest squad? No, he fully deserved that. Played really well from left back, so it's it's interesting to see. And uh, I think Steve Cook came back. He was injured at the start of the season. Another pretty decent set up that came through the City Academy. So I feel that Bournemouth do deserve massive credit, especially Eddie Howe. But they didn't do it. They didn't like do it for nothing. If you get what I mean, it's sort of like Leicester. Yeah. Where Leicester didn't spend anywhere near as much as the big teams, but they still spent a bit of cash.
2: I also feel like if you do it with players who sound very English, then you almost don't get the credit. Whereas if, they, if they'd done that with, say, I don't know, someone like... Uh, you remember when uh, uh, Birmingham went down with with Chucho Benitez, possibly <laughs> one of the best players in recent years to light up the league? If if Bournemouth were to go down with you know Cook in there, another English-sounding player, <laughs> the narrative isn't quite the same and people aren't as... Amazed by it, you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. 100%. It's the same. With, I mean, it's the same with Joel Campbell. Uh, you know, uh, and a guy from another podcast, Nepun Chopra, uh, who does the United Liverpool Football Podcast. Um, he was saying, you know, if that guy was South American and we considered him to be like a, you know, a, a Brazilian or an Argentinian, people would be going crazy over it. <laughs> but because uh, it's the other way around, um, that leads on to another question, Dave. I can't find the person who asked it just yet, but it basically says, uh, should Arsenal play a Wobie for the rest of the season?
0: Yeah, why not? He looked really, really good against Everton. It's, it's, what was really good was his combination with Danny Welbeck. It looked like they they had that understanding. Instant, like yeah, they probably do play uh, training together. You imagine because they aren't the first choice. Good point. So I imagine they've got quite a lot of time there. But that having that ability to combine with any player, especially someone like Danny Welbeck, who is his link-up play is brilliant. Yeah, it's a good yeah. weapon for Arsenal. But why not? 19 years old. You might as well. You know, your season is slowing slowing down to a, a sort of cold death of the top four again, which isn't a bad thing, but. <laughs> Yeah, get
2: get him in the team. Why not? That was, that one was from James uh, Jabor, I want to say. Jonathan Jabor. Oh, so, Jonathan Jabor, yeah. Um, I've, I'd already flipped away from his name. Um, Dave uh, Nasir says, uh, Mortada Nasir says, uh, Ramos injured versus Italy and is doubtful against Barcelona. How big a blow is it for Real? Is it really a blow? I'd say so, yeah. I think that he's
0: the, the leader... Uh, in that back four, um, very con- not control, not controlled, but more controlled as he has been in his career. Obviously, he was very rash at the start of his career, but he's really come of age. Uh, but you've got Varane that could come in. But then you're thinking Varane and Pepe. One of them is an absolute nutcase, loose cannon that could explode at any time. And then Varane is which a one percent. Oh right, okay. <laughs> but I think with with Varane, uh, he is a really, really good player. and He's good enough to step into uh, Sergio Ramos's shoes, but he's not quite at the same Sergio Ramos level yet. And so it's, it's going to be it's going to be difficult for Real Madrid to contain this Barcelona side. That's going to be so good though. Zidane in his first first Clasico, is that right? I'm not not wrong there. I think so.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Excellent. There's not been a Clasico before that. No, yeah,
0: that's what I'm, I'm thinking.
1: No, be
2: a good. reset, a reset for them. Um, looking for one that I found about the A League, although oh, where where is it? Uh, it says basically, Dave. It says with uh, two points between the top four is in the A-League, um, then we are looking at a very exciting end to the season. What does the A-League have to do to get uh, noticed in Europe? I don't even know if it works that way, does it, Dave? Because the problem is there's already a lot of quality football over in Europe, so it's almost like they don't need any more. Yeah, I think it's it's um, competing at the AFC, you know, the Asian Champions League. Well, just going there, like,
0: I've I've started to like sort of get a bit of an appreciation for that. Obviously, all the money coming into China, I didn't really, you know, know the scale of the competition, but it's huge, isn't it? You know, going across the whole of Asia and Australia, though, that will eventually, with the money going into China, that will start to become. You know, a very, very big tournament. You know, and he did mention that the teams, Perth Glory, uh, Adelaide United, Melbourne City, um, Western Sydney Wander- Wanderers and Brisbane Raw are uh, the top five positions and they're separated by four points. So it is getting exciting there. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see Melbourne City sitting in third. I hope they don't win the league.
2: Why, um, because they have connections with Manchester City, Lawrence. Of though course, you know, Dave, always got to go against that, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, Thomas Lang says the best young player in Europe this season. My bet would be Deli Alley or Kingsley Coman. And he, of course, Dave, when he says Kingsley Coman, that's another great front three. Of course, <laughs> that Bayern have got there: uh, Müller, Coman, uh, and uh, say Diego Costa, or even better, Müller, Coman, and say Lewandowski, Douglas Costa, Douglas. I like the way that people say Douglas. Douglas Cash Douglas cut Ca- and there is hey the uh, if you listen to the World Football Phone In, then uh, I can't, uh is it Tim Vickery who says um Felipe Calcinio. <laughs> Calcinio. Calcinio. And it's just so different <laughs> to the way that everyone in England says it. And I, I like I like that. I, I love it when people make the effort to do the accent. Oh yeah. Um, but, the, but is the Felipe Calcinio, it just sounds nicer. And uh, I... they also say roberto Femino. Roberto, Fabino. yeah, because they, they kind of roll. They, they like they almost. T- oh, the R, yeah, the R becomes a. It's like Roberto Bernadeschi.
0: See, I, I learned that one. Say that properly. The Fiorentina attacking player. Um, <laughs> should we go back to the fellows' question? Best yeah. young player in Europe this season.
2: For Thomas. <sighs>
0: That's tough. It's a tough question.
2: Go, I You know what? I probably Kingsley Coman after that Champions League final peaked. Uh, in that very moment, but I wouldn't say he's been the best all season. No, no, I, I wouldn't say Dele so. Alley. Uh, well, Dele
0: Alli's definitely got to be up there, most assists of any player under 21 in Europe of that age. Um, can you'd say, say Ant- Anthony Martial. I'd, say, I'd probably say Pogba.
2: <laughs> Pogba, but uh, uh, ahead of Dabala, Dave? Yeah, I, just, just ahead because actually,
0: I don't know. This is a tough, tough question. Is because
2: Dabala's so likeable, isn't he?
0: I think is so good at football as well, but then I I think it's going to go Pogba just because it's consistently consistency. Sorry, needs to still be worked on. You know, performing week in, week out. But when he turns it on, bloody hell, does he turn it on? You know, the game this weekend where yeah, um, Juventus. I can't remember who they were playing. Juventus. He scored a goal from about 35 yards from a free kick after being anonymous in the game, like a perfect free kick. And then his assist for the Murata goal was just unbelievable. Like brought, brought the ball down, lovely bit of skill, played a through ball and then just slides it in. So I think I'm going to go with Pogba, but Dabala a very close second.
2: Yeah, interesting stuff. Well, thanks a lot for your questions, guys. Uh, it's been very good to be answering them on this Saturday morning. Uh, Dave, we should do this live at some point, don't you think? We should do like a live show.
0: Yeah, like um, a live show in the pub. Uh, sure. <laughs> um, or for
2: breakfast. breakfast or, yeah, I, actually, I'd love a breakfast show. Breakfast shows are so much fun to work on. Um, just because you get up early and then you sort of feel like you started your day at like 4am. Um, <laughs> de- w- uh, obviously, Dave, you're not watching much of the CONCACAF region, but obviously there's been a bit of World Cup qualifying going on over there. Uh, Canada lost 3-0 to Mexico. Uh, USA lost to Guatemala 2-0. Really? Yeah. Wow. 2-0. That's a self-destruction, if ever I saw one. Um, and then obviously, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in Europe. Dave, can we talk about the Courtois rumours? Uh, Courtois is away on international duty. This is just me throwing in a load of news at the end, by the way. Um, Courtois refuses to state long-term commitment amid Madrid rumours.
0: Well, it, it does make sense for me. I, I, the David De Gea thing to Real Madrid, obviously he would have been brilliant for them, but he, he looks more like a Barcelona player. We were talking about this before we started recording that he just seems a bit more Barcelona esque You know, he's he's a ball player. He's he's the best footballing goalkeeper in world football. I'd even rank him ahead of Manuel Neuer, um, which is really? a big big thing to say. Yeah, I I think he's even he's just developed that even more. You know, his, his ability to pick a thirty yard pass is ridiculous. Um, I feel that he's more Barcelona fitted, and then I'd say Courtois maybe more Madrid fitted. You know, a great shot stopper, great command of his box. Um, really good at catching I think that's one of his, his best qualities his ability to hold a shot or hold a cross um, and I feel that would suit Madrid a bit more you know look at Keon, Keon Navas is more of a reaction goalkeeper you'd say um, and I think Courtois is probably more in that mould similar with David De Gea David De Gea excellent at one ones. again would help Barcelona though, playing a very high line coming off his line and sweeping I just feel that it's, it fits that narrative fits in a way
2: mm. Dave uh, what was your comment of the week we'll finish on your comment of the week Um, Well, I think we mentioned it slightly before. It was
0: from our main man, Lorenzo, um, and he was talking about our lovely song that we sang last week, Lawrence. It was was on Tuesday. Um, We did a bit of a rendition of of Call Me Al,
1: um,
0: and he added Britain's Got Talent in the tweet, so hopefully they'll see the tweet, Lawrence.
2: And then you can go on and you can do some stats talents, Dave. Nah, we'll do a song because it's funny. Yeah, but you could sing. You could be like, um, if you'll be my pirate. I will mm. be your long um, lost John a- Joe Shelby. Do, no, do, do. I will. I will play with Carver. How? I think that kind of works. <laughs> no, right? or
0: I'll be your long lost
2: Shane London. I don't know. We've got to, <laughs> we've we've got to work on this. That's a good one. Uh, there's a lot of players' names who, that fit into songs. Uh, what are, what other ones? Uh, there's definitely there's a lot of Kendrick Lamar songs uh, where players names fit in. Let us know where you replace players names. Um,
0: you, you can call me Pepe <laughs> when you call
2: me. You can call, call me Deli Ali. De, 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 you can't de, de, just you can't just put de, 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 weird names in there. You've got to put real names in. There so fit. Um, there's definitely. Do you remember that? Do you remember the Streets album? of grand don't come for free no but you'll have to link me up mate it is a good out. dave uh, get it on apple music or spotify other good streaming services are available but you can do like there's a really good thing where it's it's the one where he's talking about going on a date and she plays with her hair uh and she says instead of playing instead of the lyric being uh it says that she plays when she plays with her hair she's probably keen I used to replace that with says that if she plays with he, her hair, she's Robbie Keane. Oh, she's yeah. playing with a hell well yeah. regularly. So I reckon I could well be in. I can't remember what the other, uh, <laughs> the other thing. That was at a time when um, Etuhu used to play for Fulham. That really was what, a, a What peak, a glory. A glory it, was only good because, um, it was only good because uh, every time that he got past the ball, on uh, FIFA, the commentator would say, to who? And I got the chance to say, bless you. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Right, Dave, that's where we're leaving <laughs> right, at it. this that's point over. now. Uh, the the podcast now over. <laughs> Let us know your questions for the rest of the week. We'd love to know uh, what news you want us to cover. The, the big problem is, Dave, getting across the news because we we just, we spend our time editing videos and sort of doing all those kind of things. So we'd love to know what you guys consider to be important in the world of football. We don't just want to tell you. We want to hear what you think is important too, and what you'd like to share a message. For instance, just the other day, 40,000 Nigerian fans fitted into a 16,000 capacity stadium for an Egyptian, uh, the qualifier against Egypt. Um, Now, in England, people would call that um, (laughs) ridiculous. Uh, There'll be massive debates. TalkSport and 606 would literally just burn up Uh, robbie savage (laughs) i imagine robbie savage would turn into a supernova um (laughs) you know health and it's health and safety gone mad dave uh but the pictures of it look incredible as long as uh no one was hurt then i'm sure that uh everyone was happy gates the stadium opened to public and it caused a massive crush. McKell accused egypt of cheating after mo salah's late equalizer dave that's why i love international football it's all there, right? Uh, we'll see you again real soon, right here. But before that day, where can people find you? Uh, we'll go onto Twitter and type in ADM. Mm-hmm.
0: Sorry, let's start that again. a d a m b o u l t w o o d and then then put something like, if, "Where no, are it, you, bro?" It, no,
2: no. It's if you'll be my bodyguard, I will be your long lost. And you complete the sentence, guys. Oh yes, let's uh, do that. Complete it with a footballer. Go tweet Adam if you'll be my bodyguard. I will be a long lost <gasps> and you Shane that Long. De, 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 <laughs> it doesn't work, Dave. Stop trying to make <laughs> stop trying to make Shane Long work. Uh, it's been good to have you guys. We'll see you guys again right here, real soon. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
1: <laughs> 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 you know what I'm going long. You know what
2: I'm going lost? <surfing> um, that is uh, If You'll Be My Bodyguard Yes, that is it! What's it called? It's called Simon. It's Paul Simon. It's Paul Simon. Call me out. Betty. Betty, when you call me, you can call me out. Oh mate, what what a song. I just, yeah, you know what? Unbelievable. It's a good song.